Welcome to the State of the Markets podcast. I'm Paul Rodriguez of thinktrading.com. I'm Tim Price of pricevaluepartners.com. And our very special guest is Mercedes Osterman Van Essen. Mercedes is an intuitive life coach, trader, author of The Buddhist Trader and Visionary. Mercedes, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so intrigued to learn more about your um, your approach to the financial markets and your meditation and your trading. There's so much to unpack here. But tell us about how you got involved with meditation in the first place and how you link that to trading. Well, it all started in earnest about um, well, probably now nearly 25 years ago. And I started short-term trading in 2001, thinking, of course, like everybody who comes new into that particular part of the um, investment world, um, that they know it all and they have no problems because they made money um, investing and it's going to be a piece of cake. To my great surprise, I encountered many a problem and the problem was many problems were basically psychological rather than um, shall we say operational and um, i would maintain anybody can learn to trade if you can read a chart and know support and resistance and know how to manage positions you should be able to trade well i wasn't able to trade and i had massive fear issues um, massive anger issues, and I could write a book about it. So I realized I needed to do something about it. Were you, were and, you, work, were you um, working for a, an investment bank at the time or a, a brokerage company? Were yes. You work, were you working for a brokerage? Are you, are you able to say which one? Don't worry if you don't want to. Well, I was doing my own account at that point. Ah, okay. um, I, I started out with Comets Bank in yep. Germany, actually. Is, is Comets so, Bank, st- um, is Comets bank I mean, still going even? Still, oh yes, they are still going at the moment. Of yeah. course, they are it's, one it's, of the it's, it's just coming up to twenty-five past ten, so we'll have to check that later. Don't don't get me started on Comets Bank. Um, I need to be a little bit careful here. Um, what I am saying. Um, suffice it to say that um, Comets Bank is one of the banks who are in trouble in in Germany. Yeah, Deutsche Bank is probably the number one. Comets Bank is a. Um, short second and um, some of the things they have done um, are sailing very very close to the wind i i know that for a fact and here rests my case i won't, won't say any, any more about it but um you know just coming back to um, my initial trading problems um so this is basically what got me into um, learning to medit- meditate and i um, learned different approaches i went down the buddhist route i i think it's the path everybody takes looking for the holy grail well of course there was no holy grail and um So this went on for me for quite a few years, experimenting, going backwards and forwards, learning different modalities. And at some point, I was working with a group of American traders, and they were um, um, NYMEX floor traders, and they had big problems having to um, transition to electronic trading. And I had to do something with these guys to help them. So I developed a which I still believe today is a very unique form of meditation. And it's it's a mixture of learning to control the mind whilst using a form of energetic NLP. And it 
involves using the figure eight, making with your eyes the figure eight. And whilst you are doing this, you are directing your mind and you're connecting the top left side of the brain with the bottom right side of the brain and the bottom right side of the brain with the top left um, side of the brain. And we found actually that every one of these traders within doing these very short meditations after four weeks, they, they had become much more self-aware of themselves. They um, noticed that their impulsive behavior had significantly um, reduced. I'm not saying it was perfect. I mean, there is no such thing. You, you don't change things in, in four weeks and become absolutely perfect. But the difference was quite extraordinary. And I still use this form of meditation today if I want to change the, my state, my inner state, very, very quickly. And it really, really works. From then on, I developed other forms of meditation and developed a form of, shall we say, walking meditation. And it's a way of looking at the charts. So, and as, as no doubt, you only know too well, if you are going through charts very quickly, unless you want to sit there all day, you've got to develop the ability to go bing, 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 to choose what you want to put your focus on. So, um, and I managed to develop that, well, I think to a fine art because I can look at a chart, um, bingo, I see what I personally want to see and what I am looking for, and which is of course no guarantee that this is, that I have chosen the best chart for the day to trade off, but it certainly helps tremendously. And with my, what I found with my work with, um, mainly independent traders and actually a surprisingly large number of professional traders, they lack basic chart reading skills. And I think the reason for this, which brings me to one of my pet subjects, and that is AA, AI and the overuse of indicators and the over-reliance um, on automatic trading. It does not work and it does not make you a better trader. In fact, in my opinion, it does exactly the opposite. It dumbs the brain down because if you don't use it, you lose it. So unless you are a trader who can write their own code and develop their own um, systems and, and trade their own systems, which of, of course can well have to be you know, adjusted on a regular basis anyway. Well, I mean, my advice is to traders to stay away from all these automated systems or semi-automated systems. And there is so much out there these days that promotes AI and says, oh, well, anybody can trade. No, not everybody can trade. Anybody can trade a button. I mean, a blind man with a stick can press a buy and a sell button. And with a little bit of practice, hopefully they press the buy when they should be buying and the sell when they should be selling. But in order to have fluidity and be what I call in alignment, and it's all about alignment with what you are doing, be that in the markets or be that really in other areas of your life, you have got to be able to work automatically and not having to go through this invisible, shall we call it, mental wand of fear, anxiety, should I, shouldn't I, what if this happens, what if, if that happens, that, that shouldn't be there. You've got to be able, when the signal 
arrives, no matter what your time frame is, you need to be able to push the button. And most people cannot do that because they have not got that mental ability to switch off their conditioning and feel the markets. So what is meditation at the end of the day? Um, if we cut out all the fluff, meditation is designed to teach you to feel. And if you can feel, you are bypassing the inner critic that says market is too high, shouldn't be buying here, or market is too low, too, um, too early to take a counter trend trade, blah, 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 whatever it may be from one's perception. And we all are individual and see the markets as uh, through our individual psychological lens and experiences. There is not no such thing as two traders being the same thing. It doesn't exist. And I see that when I talk to my partner, who is a um, uh, professional retired um, institutional trader, um, we look at things and he tells me, always to shut up because I look at a chart and I want to open my mouth and say, I see this, I see that, I, I see patterns and it's clear for me. I don't need a Fibonacci tool. And of course, I mean, let's be honest, experience comes into this. If you have done it for a long time, well, you see, and if you have a sense of balance and proportion, we could also say if you have a sense of natural harmonic beauty, well, it's, it's not rocket science. You can see, is, is that going to be a guarantee that the trade is going to work out? Of course not. But it certainly, it gives you an edge in choosing your opportunities in alignment with what, what, what you are. I mean, if you are a contrarian trader, which basically describes me, um, I, I don't like getting into trends so much from in, in terms of Elliott Wave. Um, I, I love waves one. You know, these these are my preferred trades. If I can identify a wave one with a high degree of certainty, well, yeah, that makes me very happy. And I have no incongruence. I'll take the trade. And I will go into the trade and add to it if my um, position management um, allows me to do that. And there is no inner conflict and meditation <coughs> over 20 years has taught me to differentiate between feeling when there is that you know i'm coming up to that inner uh, mental glass ceiling if, if you like where resistance hits and doubts comes in and invariably doubt really is a form of fear so we can said fear sets in and I think, right, okay, Merck, you've got to be careful here. Sort of step away from the screen. This, incidentally, is something uh, I've worked with quite a few professional traders. And I say, look, the, first of all, notice when you are out of alignment. And the moment you notice, walk away from the screen. You don't have to do it for long. For five minutes is enough. Sometimes even three minutes is enough because it resets the brain. People cannot do it. To learn to walk away from the screen is the most difficult thing to do. Why? Because trading is addictive. 
And there is something particularly when you're looking at fast moving charts, it activates the, um, the REM in, in rapid eye movement and that affects the brain and you are literally suckered into the activity of the screen. It's like an addict who is um, playing, what is it, bingo or, or some, some of these, these games. And that's how people lose money. And that's how they keep getting back in when they should not be um, get, getting back in. Rather, they should be walking away. And they have lost the ability to see when they are getting out of this alignment and when they are walking in, into this danger zone and when they need to really sort of walk away. So once you have learned the ability to walk away, um, life becomes much easier. And incidentally, what we are seeing today in our rather dystopian world, which has been designed to increase the acidity in our environment and in our bodies and our brains, and the two, by the way, are the same, and the outcome is chronic brain incoherence so okay i um divert a little bit but somehow you know the things they all belong together because it's all about one thing and one thing only and that is how do i create alignment and um aware of being in harmony and when i'm not i hope that makes sense um sort of rather long-winded answer to your question sorry could you just repeat that uh, mercedes I I, I said this was Sorry, I'm, I'm joking a rather long-winded answer to your original question about how did I get into meditation. So we've gone a little bit into the benefits of it all as well. I just wanted to unpack a couple of things that you've mentioned there. First of all, uh, for people who aren't familiar with Elliott Wave, the wave one part of Elliott Wave is is the beginning of a trend. So it just means that something is starting out and it goes into basically five waves being at the end of at the end of the trend is near the five wave element. And so therefore what Mercedes is saying that she she likes to get into the beginning of a move, but actually not ride that move out to its massive full con- conclusion or potential so that's just a style also just to say that um i i agree with you about because obviously i'm a technical analyst a technical trader and i've used this for many years and and i see the benefit with psychology and and um trading obviously it's part of the same um you know element you've got to have the right mindset before you can actually trade i found that um the the way to get good at reading charts is to just read lots of charts and to have it shown to you as to what works and what doesn't but people without a formal education in it can work it out for themselves but they have to be attuned to what they're actually seeing because people tend to see what they want to see but you made a, a point about keeping things simple and i think that's that is a very good point. Um, having said that, within technical analysis, there are lots of things like indicators and, and oscillators that tell you when to buy and sell. And new traders tend to find those to be the most attractive uh, elements of technical analysis when, in fact, they are the most dangerous and they're most likely to lose you money. Uh, they might make you a little bit of money, but then suddenly they start losing and, the, and new traders just don't know how to to deal with that. But you, you, you fold that into AI, which I think is a separate area. AI is um, kind of like an expert system and the AI is is actually letting the computer make the decisions based upon how you've trained it. 
And that's that to me is is uh, obviously a big buzzword at the moment, and everyone's exploring methods of of making money using AI. But I I agree that it's not a at the moment a good substitute for a trader who has traded their own algorithm, who actually properly understands money management and trends and knows what to look out for in the first place. So you. It, there's still a lot of questions that the trader would need to ask, and I think that there is a wave of 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 um, marketing towards AI, trying to get people just to just to trade, saying how easy it is. And we all know that trading is definitely not easy. But just coming back to your, uh, I'm just having a look at your mental strategies for traders. dot com website and. You you meant you touched upon the impact of toxins and and geopathic stress on our bodies and minds. Can you tell us a bit of mo- a bit about that? Because I've got to be honest, that does sound like a little bit like new age mumbo jumbo, and I'd I'd like to keep an open mind. So can you tell me what that is? Yeah, sure. Um, when you think about the body, you have seven chakra systems. These chakra systems are not only in the body, they are in our environment. In other words, they are in the air and they are in the earth. You, uh, Well, everybody, I'm sure, will have heard about um, ley lines and ley line crossings in particular, which is nothing else but the chakra system in the earth. That's the most simplistic explanation. Um, when these um, chakra systems are open, that means energy flows, and it's no different from the market, because as in trading, as in life, really. Um, when the system is open, energy flows, the, the market moves, and hopefully everybody who knows how to trade will make money. The problems arise when we get into congestion areas, and this is exactly the same what happens in the earth and what happens in our body. The um, the uniting part of all this is the um, element of water. Um, water is present absolutely everywhere. It's in the air. It's um, present in every particle. And, and water is that piece that conducts information. When there are blockages in the um, waterways in the earth, they can that can lead to very serious um, mental issues and ultimately um, health issues because the effect is similar to you sitting on on a mild electrical fence so it it keeps kicking off um, electrical signals every every time which put the brain into a chronic fight or flight response um, basically it thinks it has to either run away um, or fight when really it has to sit still and, and calm its mind. So <clears throat> the electronic equipment we are all using gives off positive ions. Now, positive ions is a very negative energy. It is a toxic energy that literally reduces the um, life force, the natural life force, which is the balance of, of our universe. And it is the balance of all systems that are working in harmony and in alignment, if you like, with universal law. So this is out of balance. And I found that out many, many decades ago without realizing what I was looking at. Um, coming back when when I sort of first trained at Comets Bank and, and part of the training 
of course, um, was you had to go through all the different departments before you were allowed to um, to lose on, on anything in particular. And um, of course, I had to work in a department, among other things, where it was an open plan office with lots of computers and very, very poor lighting. And I noticed without realizing what was happening to me, that I was feeling very, very irritable, very, very tired and couldn't focus properly. And at that point, I nearly quit it. I, I didn't, but I thought, well, this is not for me. It's just not for me. And then fortunately, it dawned on me that it had something to do with the energies in the building, which yeah, of, of course it did. And you'd go to um, the, the local stock exchange, even though, of course, there was um, electronic equipment, uh, it was different. It did not have the same problem, maybe because I I loved the activity yeah, on, on the floor in those days. You know, you could still trade on the floor. Um, but um, it was um, something that made me look into the different energies. And I um, had the good fortune to be introduced to, to a guy who has actually de developed um, many harmonizing tools which we can use and install in our offices and in our homes um, to help negate the negative effect um, coming from electronic equipment. So since then, things have moved on a, a lot further and I have got actually a fantastic little range of, of products, which is not very expensive and it works wonders. It's helped me because I'm very, very sensitive to electromagnetic energy, um, which is on the one hand a very good thing because I read energy from photographs from the markets. I can tune in into the energy when I'm aligned. And um, But it also means I pick up all the interference energy, which is coming from the computer screens and, and from the actual physical boxes of, of the computers where we are using. And with these tools, it harmonizes it. It reduces fatigue. It increases focus. It makes you much more alert. And you ultimately, at the end of the day, you make better decisions. And there is much more to it. But this is the very essence of it. <laughs> Is there a time scale that you typically trade over? What's the typical duration of a trade for you, uh, Mercedes? Um, uh, on average, I would say about 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And sometimes, okay, if I get it wrong, well, I have to sit there for half an hour. So you, you mentioned looking into energies and... I just wanted to make sure I understand that. I mean, because I can understand that, for example, when you have lighting in, a, in an office, it's unnatural lighting. And there's something called the CRI, which is the Color Rendering Index. And artificial lighting can have a poor CRI, which can actually affect your health. And some cheap LED lights have got poor uh, CRI lights. Actually, it, quite interestingly, the sun's got a CRI of 100, and incandescent bulbs have got a CRI of 100, but they're very inefficient. So when we switch over from one light to another, these more efficient LED lights aren't actually giving us the quality of light that we should get. And that could explain why you weren't feeling quite so good in, in the office, um, as opposed to the energies that you're talking about, which is something that 
I, I, I'm I'm sort of a man of science, so I, I can't I can't quite understand what what that is that you're tapping into. Could you just explain how that works? Yes, well, you certainly mentioned a very important um, fact about incandescent lighting versus uh, LED light, and all fluorescent lighting is actually very bad because it has got a flickering um, effect in in the light, which directly impacts and interferes with the natural brain waves of, of the brain. Incidentally, the same is in computer screen. And, I mean, you can buy things to minimize the effect to put over your screens. Um, it's one of the reasons why I use um, a BenQ because they are much better than uh, most other screens. Um, and um, that is one part of it. The um, other part, of course, is that the natural light, which we are supposed to um, get from going out, we, we are not getting because most of us are not spending enough um, time outside. We are spending most of our days in front of the screens. I include myself. You know, first thing, what, what do we do? We get up, we switch on our iPads, we get in onto the computer, check our emails, and um, off it goes until, you know, for, for me often, until seven or eight o'clock at night. And um, so have I been outside? Hard, hardly at all during the week. So that, that is not good for the body and creates um, imbalances just in the body's ecosystem, if you like, for which we are not compensating. And when you then add external stresses to it, as we have been experiencing over the last um, you know, well, I don't know, 18 months, call it 18 months or so, where um, we mistakenly think our external world dictates what is going on inside of us, which of course is not true. Actually, it's exactly the, upper, the other way around. So, well, of course, the recipe for extra stress and more distress, mental um, distress, becomes very, very obvious. What do you would you say? I mean, I appreciate that you're a, a trader rather than, a, say, a, a macro analyst. What what do you think is happening in the world at the moment? Well, um, I mean, obviously there is a um, war going on between at least two opposing factions, and it is all to do with bringing in the um, well. Some call it the financial reset. Um, really more accurately, it is about the um, quantum financial system. And I have done quite a lot of research on this. I've spoken to a number of people who seem to really know and they got their fingers at the um, push button, so to speak. Of course, I cannot prove this because I have mm. not physically seen that for myself. So I want to make that caveat here. But certainly having done quite a bit of research on this, um, it is clear to me um, that we are very, very close to a resolution of, of, of this uh, war that is going on between the two warring parties about are we going to stay with the old system or, or um, are we going to go with the new system? Uh, it's been in the making since the 80s, really. And um, I personally um, believe if it goes ahead as originally intended, and when I say originally intended, it was when it was first um, designed in the 80s, it will be a very good thing. However, all the banks 
are not going to be very happy about it. Mm. Good, sorry, could, could you explain a little bit more of what the quantum financial system is? Yes, the um, quantum financial system is, the easiest way to put it is perhaps, let's say it's a form of leveling. It is um, a technology which will use um, a blockchain um, and it will take away the middleman in any transaction, in other words, the transactions, any form of transaction will be immediate. So that that's the uh, mechanical side of how it's going to work, and that obviously will help and um, people to um, it'll reduce transaction costs. It'll take away the ability of um, banks and other exchange institutions to play with your money whilst you're not having it in your own bank account. Mm. So that's one element of it. The um, other element, of course, is that we are going to move away from the printing press. So in other words, we are going to move to the, um, well, they call it the gold standard, which is strictly speaking, not 100% correct because it will not just be gold, it will be gold and silver and um, all precious metals, which will be um, setting the standard for the new system. So, and that has got massive implications. It's gonna impact every single living being on earth. Needless to say, it'll have massive implications on how we are going to trade, I, I think we are going to see that um, um, naked short, well, naked short selling will stop. And it, 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 it's a bad, um, very, very um, naughty practice, in, in my opinion, and it, it should be stopped. So, um, and we are probably also going to see a substantial reduction on leverage trading um, for for traders, which I think also is not not a bad thing. Um, high frequency um, trading um, practices uh, will not work. Well, that they will stop. Whether they'll stop immediately or sort of whether they'll be phased out. Um, this is something where, um, you know, at the moment there are a few things which are not a hundred percent clear yet. So that's that's just on the mechanical side of how things are going to work. Then you have that element, what is referred to as Nasara, um, Jesara, um, in order for it to work as it is, as it was originally intended to work when it first came into being in the 80s. We absolutely need um, Nasara, Jesara to work properly. And this is, of course, what's been going on over the last, well, um, two or three years to create a um, a foundation on which Nasara can actually function. So, and that meant there, there had to be a transfer of ill-gotten wealth, shall we say, um, wealth that was acquired through um, usury and um, many other um, fraudulent um, practices that have taken money away from the average person and putting it into the hands of people who have used it um, for rather nefarious purposes. So there is, at the moment, this leveling um, out that's going on. And of course, if, if you have Let's say if you have been a um, robber baron, for, for argument's sake, uh, all of a sudden somebody says, okay, we are confiscating all your money and all your, all your worldly goods. 
well, I mean, you're not going to let go without a fight. I mean, that's human nature, if, if, if you like. So, um, and this is what we have been seeing playing out in the background. Of course, it's, it's not um, widely spoken about for obvious reasons. I just say um, one little sentence, the art of war. So um, mm. people at large don't, don't understand what, what's going on. But um, from everything I have seen and the people I have spoken to who know quite a bit about it, um, I am certainly very, very um, positive that once we have got the QFS fully in place, and it is in place, everybody has signed up for it, there is, I think, one country, small country, that has, as of two weeks ago, it had not signed up, and then I heard it has now signed up. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Well, so, who, who, who or what is driving the QFS? Because this doesn't sound like a system that either banks or governments would necessarily want to adopt. No, of course not. But the banks have, have been persuaded over many years um, to adopt the system. And they have. Every, every major bank has signed up for the, for the system. And it's been put in place. Everything is physically in place. Now, of course, there is one thing which um, I, I think um, why why we have at the moment a delay, um, and, and that is to do, of course, to, to run the system. It uses immense, huge amounts of energy. Mm. So um, just to give you an example, if, if you were just to, to run Bitcoin, Bitcoin uses the equivalent of energy of of Argentina. So, I mean, mm. this is huge. Now, imagine running the world on the system. There will not be the energy resources to do this. So they had to rejig this. And um, when I say rejig, of, of course, we have to, we are looking at some form of, of Tesla energy, which is um, um, harvesting the energy with within universal law. The average person, again, does not understand about these things. They do not know that it exists. It very much exists, has been around for a very, very long time, but it has been suppressed. So where we are finding ourselves at the moment is in the final throes of this shall we say, underground movement, which is a, well, it's a war. Yeah, we, we are in the throes of the final throes of a war where, of course, one side will have to win. It looks certain, uh, quite certain to me. When I say quite certain, I would say 80% um, certain that the um, QFS is um, uh, going to be implemented. It is going to be very, very good for the majority of people, but not so good for for um, the naught point one percent. Maybe not so good for the Davos class. Well, definitely not good for the Davos class at all. And they are the ones at the moment. I mean, they are squealing. Actually, they are squealing. So I, I think it's actually um, potentially very, very exciting. And you see, again, it comes back to what we touched on a little earlier when we were talking about meditation. And I said to you, okay, meditation, what is meditation? It is about learning to feel energy and bypass the inner critic. And really what we are saying is this. You have to look 
beyond appearances. You have to see that you have to decode the messages which are out there because what you see is put there for your numb mind's entertainment. It is not there for the, um, shall we say, more alert and more awakened mind's entertainment because the awakened mind can decode, can see beyond appearances. And then once you look beyond appearances, you start seeing a very, very different picture. And as you tune into the energy of what you are decoding, and that is nothing else but using a different modality to read the information in front of you, and suddenly things become very clear. And once you see in that way, it becomes very, very clear what we are dealing with on earth, what is going on, what is happening in the financial system. Um, I mean, I wrote about it in my book, The Buddhist Trader, eight years ago. Um, I could see, I mean, I, I said there, I mean, anybody um, who wants to read The Buddhist, Buddhist Trader can go on my website and, and buy it for a mere $29 or something like that. Um, and I talked about it then this financial system is on the brink of collapse. Okay, I, I was early. I thought, and I have to say, I did not anticipate the immense shenanigans that are going on. And I certainly did not fully comprehend then the um, immense deception um, that, that has um, played out in all areas of life. But once you get it, it is so clear to see. Um, it's like somebody pulling the, the uh, blinds off and allowing daylight in. And you, you wonder, good God, how couldn't I see this? Because it's there. Yeah, wherever you look, markers are there. And when you start doing your research and everything, you know, all the pieces of the puzzle, shall we say, begin to fit together and all of a sudden you have a picture. Okay, it may not be a very pretty picture and it sure is, is not, but it is well and truly an enlightening. And, you know, one thing I always say, you know, a level of your enlightenment is how much shit you can take on board without having to react to it. What is going to happen, do you think, to the debt in the world in this in the brave, brave new world order? It's going to be written off. Um, there is, and this is part of Nasara. Um, by the way, Nasara has been signed off. It, it, it's now on the um, uh, court of um, Den Haag. So that really gives me also great confidence in this going to happen. There will be an overall debt forgiveness, and then we will be finding ourselves in a position where probably, and this is something, of course, the um, divorce class vehemently oppose is that everybody is going to be given a um, degree of money to live off. And at the moment, from what I understand, it's not quite clear yet how they, how they are going to do this. Um, and um, because one of the problems we have, not everybody can see what's going on. The majority of people do not believe it because mm. their brains are so narrow. They are in this very, very tiny, tiny um, 
information tunnel, if you like, of where they are receiving their frequency from. So they just think this is pie in the sky um, when it is not. But I mean, can you imagine you give somebody, let's just plug a figure out of thin air, $100,000 for argument's mm. sake. You give everybody $100,000, where they all be going off buying Ferraris or um, buying Gucci shoes or what have, have you. It's already happening in America. I mean, it's, mm. I mean, I think, I mean, I, I have a sense of humor about this. I think it's utterly hilarious. They, they get their stimulus checks and all the women are queuing up at the Gucci shops, spending it on, on Gucci shoes. What, 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 what you allude to sounds like it would be wildly inflationary. Um, well, it cannot be inflationary because we are having the gold standard um, reinstated. And, and that is a um, absolutely essential part of the system. You cannot go out and produce money by putting on the printing press anymore. It's finished. It's done with. It's over. But, in, but, but for those people holding debt that's going to be written off, they, that's we're talking about trillions of dollars of value talking, that's just going to be evaporated. We, we are talking mega, mega trillions of dollars. But don't forget what we are also talking about, the money that has thus far been confiscated. The figure is mind-boggling. Mm. Um, somebody said, I can't remember who, who said this, apparently, there is that much money going around. You could give everybody a million dollars and there is still plenty le left. So really what we are dealing with here is this. The money, there is no shortage of money. Never, ever has there been a shortage of money. But the money that has been siphoned off by a myriad of, of means, and we could talk for hours about how that has been done, um, and still is being done um, at the moment, but much, much less so, um, it's, it's been filtered into the wrong hands. It's been filtered into warmongering. There's never been a shortage um, of money for war. Now, I mean, I know for a fact that the um, uh, British military, they have got created up helicopters and, and other war machinery, which has never been used. I mean, we are talking hundreds of millions of dollars. And, use, and anybody who thinks there is a shortage of money, they have no idea what they are talking about. There, there isn't. There is more money around than the average person could ever wrap their tiny little minds around. And, and, and this is the thing. Um, what we are dealing with is so incomprehensible for the average person. And I'm not saying this in, um, in an accusatory way. Um, I only know about it, well, yeah, because I've been studying it for, for decades and I've learned a thing or two and okay you know I'm I'm lucky I, I have a partner who is very very good at doing research and all, all these things help so you know when you have access to things and a curious mind that wants to see deeper and understand and has got enough brain to see hang on something isn't adding up here so and, and then sort of seeks to find the truth. So once, you know, as I said early on, once the pieces of the puzzle fit together, there is a clear code. You can see how they are doing it. And all of a sudden, it's not rocket science anymore. The average person is not inclined to do that. So, um, and they have no idea. They have been brainwashed, systematically brainwashed 
into this very, very narrow frequency band of information where they believe that is reality when it actually is not. It's, it's a fantasy. It's like a film that's been put out there for, for them to watch and none of it is, is real. That absolutely has got to be stated. It's, it's, it's all a very, very poor comedy show. I'm not, I'm not sure that people believe that there's a shortage of money, though, because we've seen quantitative easing. There's been plenty of press about that. And I think most people realize that this is just creating money out of nothing and are quite concerned about it. Yes, I think they are concerned about it. Um, they understand that money is being created out of nothing. But from what I see and, and the questions I get regularly um, from the people I am dealing with, um, and they say, well, you know, how can this be? And they have still got huge problems understanding that really the money needn't, needn't even be printed. It's, it's not necessary. Um, if we have a system in place, which is what the QFS, of course, is all about, it's it's an intermediate system to get us into a place where we are going to operate in harmony with universal law. Money, the way it has been abused, shall we say, at, at the end of the day, money is just a means of exchange. And we have given it the name money. We could also say... Um, let's use love and make that a means of exchange. Well, I can tell you one thing. Well, the world would be bankrupt if, if we did that right now because people just are, the, there are not enough people yet at that level. And they understand that love is in universal law terms a commodity. I could also say the world at the moment is facing the um, challenge, and that when I say the world, the average conscious mind is facing the challenge of moving out of that purely material-based, three-dimensional worldview into the next dimensions. Well, actually, really, we are in the fourth dimension, and that's why we have got these opposing sides and the rubber band is stretched to its absolute limit. Um, and then, okay, we are moving into 5D. Now, when you are in 5D, which is a different frequency band on which you will be receiving your information, and, and those of us who are there are already receiving their information on, on that frequency band. And that means that your vision is totally different. You see things you cannot see if you are completely rooted in, in the three-dimensional world. If you're rooted in the three-dimensional world, yes, things are so bad for us now, it is frightening. And when we see what is going on in America, and you, some of the reports one gets of what, what is going on, well, really worldwide. I don't think we need to really si single any country out in particular here. Um, it is potentially very, very frightening. But we must not lose sight of the fact that this has been done deliberately to stop us from moving into a more benign and more gracious way of dealing with each other and of, you know, it's, it's, it affects the socioeconomic fabric of the, the, um, of the entire existence. I, so I, 
sorry. Yes. So I was going to say, I know what 5G is, but I don't know what, I'm not sure I quite understand what you're saying about 5, 5D, five dimensions. 5D, of, the, the fifth what, what dimension. Is, well, what is the fifth dimension? The, the fifth dimension is um, basically, now the three dimension, the third dimension is the material world. When you look at the universe, our existence in 3D is but a very, very small part of the only um, overall universe. In fact, it is 4% of the universe. Human beings, their original template, their original DNA, and we have 13 um, DNA strands, um, is designed to be flexible. And it is designed to be both in physical form and in non-physical form. So as you move into the, the next dimensions, it's also called the higher dim dimensions, which is, by the way, um, a misnomer. They are not necessarily higher. They are just different. So after the three-dimensional world, which is purely rooted in the me mechanical Newtonian model, if you like, then you start moving into a more quantum-based reality. So 4D is you're beginning to see things in a very different way. And you begin to see that there is something beyond the three-dimensional world that creates reality. Arrive at 5D, you are still physical, but you are much more energy than matter, so to speak. And you begin to understand that the that the universe is created through the subtle energy. It is created through the heart energy aligning with the um, electrical part, which is our brain. So you have the, the heart is the magnetic side. The heart draws events to it out of nothing, if you like, from the subtle energy field. It brings it through focus through mental focus, consistent mental focus, converts, if you like, subtle energy into 3D energy. So, and, and then there are the next dimensions above this where we can split ourselves up, where we can operate purely and simply in the non-physical. And it is still real, um, you still think, you see, only you see so much more. And um, we are coming now into the areas of um, where you can be wherever you want to be in an instant and you manifest instantly as, as well. So it's all about experiencing rather than producing. Right now, the world as it is, our three dimensional world, is based on producing. As you move into the um, next dimensions, fourth and fifth and beyond, you are moving more and more into generating, into creating, and, and that is created, here's the word again, through you generating an experience. And that experience you can choose once you are on the fifth dimension, you have more choice over the experience you want to have. So if I choose to live from the energy of love, because it's a harmonizing energy, A, it makes me feel better in a, in a very, very simplistic terms. It makes me feel better. It, it's good for my health. 
because it harmonizes the body, because it harmonizes the brain. Instead of being in constant incoherence, my brain is becoming more coherent and I experience myself in a much more expansive way, which simultaneously opens up the way for new possibilities. And I'm no longer locked into this reality, um, pro-Davos, against Davos. They are the um, bad guys and I'm at the mercy of the bad guys and there is no way out. It becomes a very, very different perspective and, and things open up and synchronicities begin to happen. I could also say at that level, we are moving beyond the um, um, physical reality where things unfold in a linear way. You are transcending that because there, there is when you start generating and creating um, the law of physics are transcended and it becomes an incredibly beautiful way um, thing. This is where we are going. The quantum financial system operates on that principle. This is something very, very few people understand. And what I see here, the um, delay with it coming in is directly linked to we are still waiting for more people to actually get what, what I am just talking about, to become open to be more in the heart energy and become ready to do the work through meditation, through um, breath work and through understanding really what what is, is going on, which is ultimately you know my teaching, what, what I do um, with uh, the people who are open to it. It is teaching them all of reality, not just one part of it, because this is not about putting on rose-tinted glasses and saying, oh, everything is hunky-dory. No, it's not about this. It is about being all-encompassing and being ready to embrace it all. And then from that place, making my choices so that I am then in control of my universe. What do I choose? Do I choose to switch on CNN and listen to somebody who is called Biden? Or do I choose to go and spend regular time, and if it's only 10 minutes in my garden, and communicate with nature and experience the um, soul of nature, which ultimately is my own soul, which opens my heart and gives me a very, very different experience of myself and everything that, that is going on in the world. I could also say this is the move away from um, blaming, fear, anger, frustration, helplessness, victimhood into compassion. Sorry, go on, Paul. I was, I was just, just to finish this off, compassion for oneself above all. Uh, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying um, about quantum physics being very different to the real world. And some of the terms you're using are relating to spirituality and what the heart wants, etc. And I, I, I must admit, I can't make this connection between 5D and, and what you've just said there. I mean, for example, the heart 
as in the before we understood what the heart actually was i think it was understood that well it was thought that the heart was where decisions were made which is why we we have this expression it's a, it's kind of a throwback to to science that we we now know to be incorrect so um i i don't i don't mean to be disparaging but i i don't quite some of what you're saying it sounds um sounds very spiritual and then you're relating that to something very simple like whether i decide to watch tv and and be influenced by that or whether i decide to go for a walk in the woods which i would experience a very different thing but that isn't that just making normal decisions about how you you know how you would do things that that make you feel good and and isn't that just simple we don't we don't need a 5d explanation for it it's isn't it just simple uh, actually, I'm glad you brought this up because you really are addressing the very heart of the problem people are, are having. And that's why we are um, experiencing the, the problems um, we are experiencing at the moment. So it's about merging our three-dimensional experiencing um, with the fifth-dimensional experience, which is on a very, very different level because it is, if you like, it's taken from a much higher vantage point. I'll give you an example. Imagine you go um, in an elevator and you're on the first floor and the first floor gives you a reasonable view of the fifth dimension. You see houses, you see whatever you see. Then you go up, all of a sudden, let's assume you go to the, the 50th floor and all of a sudden, as you look down, you are seeing things you could not possibly see when you are looking out of your window on, on the first floor. On, on the 50th floor, you'll see uh, much more of the sky. You might see a landscape behind. You, you may, what, whatever it is, you, you, you may be seeing. This is what we are talking about, moving away from, from the... Um, Immersion, and it is an immersion, that, that is the problem we are all, without exception, facing. Getting out of this immersion in, in our reality. If you say, of course, yes, I want to feel good, that's a first step. And everything happens in baby steps. You don't shift from one second um, to, um, to the next. Um, or, well, you can, but it happens very, very rarely that, that you um, open yourself up to um, these other, we call higher dimension, um, uh, different dimensions. Um, but when you do, um, the experience goes beyond feeling good because you are becoming aware of the fact that you are the sole driver of your experiences and nobody is doing it for you nobody is doing it outside of you and if you like that is the spiritual experience which is then once you get this you can merge this with your daily interactions and you are doing it when once you can do this once you have that opening if you like you are going to do it in a much more aware and conscious or mindful fashion, because spirituality, if you like, again, you know, it's it's much misunderstood. You know, we say that there is science, there is the box of spirituality, you know, and then we got all all these other little boxes um, we have made in in our lives. Um, when you go 
again, beyond the Newtonian um, worldview, you begin to see that everything is constantly interacting with each other. And everything is in a, a constant place of flux. And the only thing that keeps us in this artificial separation is that conditioning, which we all have, which, of course, science has, um, modern science certainly has promoted, and that's the creation of boxes. You know, there, there is a box for the heart, there is a box for the lung, and there is a box for everything else. When really, underneath, you look at the makeup of, of a single cell. Every single cell contains within it the blueprint of the entire universe. So this, we, this. we know that for a fact. That's unifying. And that blueprint contains, if you like, the soul. And um, the soul, what is the soul? The soul is nothing else but um, what is also called um, by the wisdom uh, traditions, the Akashic Records, which is basically understanding how the universe works, understanding the complete history, how it really is beyond mere appearances. This, I, uh, I hope I've spoken to that in a reasonably understandable way. <laughs> this uh, this reminds me of a line from Hamlet, which you've probably heard mm -hmm. of. Uh, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Indeed. Indeed. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by what you're saying. I think I'm going to have to have a, a think about it. We're going to have it. to have a, a, a long, hard think. I might have to meditate for a bit. Um, yeah, brilliant. Love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can, I... There are so many people who meditate and say it works and it helps them that I, I accept I accept that that is something that we should do in the same way as exercising and you know quiet our mind because we never have time where we have we don't have any downtime. People can't just sit still for two minutes and literally do nothing and and that's something that I think we could all benefit from, especially with technology and attention spans getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Um, I, I'm not sure how much of that is, uh, you know, relates to 5D and the stuff that you've said. I'd have to read more about it and understand it. Um, and maybe that's just me not not quite getting it. But I'm I'm intrigued by your... I've, I've read a book by Carl Sagan, The Demon Haunted World, and he explained in that book how science uh, kind of pushes back against kind of, uh, I guess what should I say, um, non-scientific thinking, I suppose, is the best way to describe it. And it one big part of it that I found very interesting was how he described people's imaginations about alien beings coming into this world and how it was just a human manifestation. He explained why that was the case. And he laid out about three or four pages, which had about 40 checks to, to check whether something is correct or not. And I found it, I found it very interesting, and it kind of um, it, it, it played to my systematic way of approaching problems. But you you mentioned that you've studied wisdom traditions, u ufology, and cosmogenesis, and I'm and I'm intrigued by what those things are and what what you've learnt from them and what you believe. So, are you saying that you believe in UFOs or or what? Um, no, I'm not saying that I believe in UFOs. I know okay. they exist. Um, you know they exist. I've seen many. And this is a study that goes back over 30 years and has evolved tremendously. 
And I would certainly agree with you when we go, this is from the cosmogenesis point of view, how, how did we come into being? What, what is creation? Who am I? And we cannot get away from the fact that ultimately, I, I alluded to it a, a little bit early on, that everything in existence has been created by us. So if I go back to when we could say, of course, you know, where did that bifurcation take place in the original creation? Well, somehow the um, creatrix uh, creation, the original creation is, is female, and that got somehow distorted. The Luciferian energy um, derived from that and separated away from um, creatrix and from there the um, dualistic um, world un unfolded and um, with its beauty and it, it, its its negative side as, as well. And um, so if, if I look at that, I um, can only say for me, for me personally, for my understanding, even though I say yes, there are things like UFOs because I have seen them. Most of them, by the way, are man-made and and not out, um, you know, UFOs. And I mean, this is perhaps you know the the biggest thing ufologist will uh, the, the the good ones will tell you um, today that um, mo most are a man-made craft. And um, but you have an element of um, UFOs which are real in the sense that they are not made by us. And um, Roswell, the Roswell craft is ultimately not a craft that's made out of metal. It's been made out of um, uh, natural materials. It's, it's, you know, can't go into all, all this now, but um, it's, it's really quite fascinating. So, um, yeah, I look at this from my experience as a human being today, as I'm experiencing myself with my consciousness I, I have today. And okay, the beauty is it looks separate. It looks separate from me. So out there is a thing like a UFO, just as out there are the planets and the stars and um, well, in all likelihood, many, many other universes. So it's fascinating. Yeah, okay, I have to still acknowledge that there is that part of me that AS connection is connected to source, to its original source, as I was intended to be created. Um, and beyond that is source, the car, as it's called in um, meditation terms, which is the eternal place, um, the unified field, um, of nothing and nowhere and nothing are very very hard to to get to to grips with. But if if we accept this, so yes, nothing ultimately nothing is outside of us. Um, absolutely nothing. It's an illusion. You you said you've seen a UFO. What I mean, yes. uh, more than one. I, I guess. Oh, was, I've seen was, was, sorry. many. Many. Yes. What did they yes. look? Where did you see them? What did they look like? And what, um, well, uh, did you report ones. it? Um, and also, I mean, I've not just been by by myself. I've I've had people with me who, who've seen it. Have you recorded uh, on it? Some occasions, on quite a few occasions, actually. Well, you know, some are, um, you know, like round discs. 
and they hover and they have lights underneath that rotate in different colors. And there is also, um, there's always a um, vibration that has to do with, with the um, toll, uh, the force field around the um, object, because obviously they're using a different technology. Um, you know, then I have seen things which are most certainly man-made um, of a triangular shape, and they move at incredible speed and very erratic. They can turn left and right and go up and down and then suddenly disappear. Um, I have seen in the sky where things follow, appear to be following you like some stars, and then suddenly they disappear and you can communicate with them and um, they flash up when you say, okay, I want to sign. Am I dreaming this? Am I making this up? And again, I've seen this with, with other people. Um, did, did they experience it as well? More, um, shall we say, scientific in a way. I mean, he's finally sort of learning because he, he's also seen things. A few weeks ago, we saw something outside, which was very, very interesting. And it looked like a bank of lights in the night sky. Um, now, I am not sure if these were man-made craft or whether they were UFOs. And they were flashing in, on and off. There's a whole bank, and um, at some point, woomph, they disappeared. And this is, you know, when you also want, once you've seen one, it becomes easier to see them again. I think it's just like everything in life. Um, they are around, you know, it's, it's, it's not rare. Um, they, it, it's not, it, it's neither supernatural nor, nor rare. You know, these things, things are here, have been for thousands of years. And um, if you look at art, um, there, there is um, a Renaissance um, artist. I, I forget now who, um, who he was. I imagine the picture. There are UFOs on there. It's, it's hilarious. I mean, this guy painted these, and he is not on his own. There are quite a few that painted UFOs 400 years ago. Yeah, I, I've seen that. I, 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 but it, it, I guess it's an interpretation of what you're seeing from what he's seeing. It's one painting that that he happened to to make and if if there were lots of ufos around that time i think we'd have seen quite a few more but the the there's something interesting about what carl sagan said there was a misrep misrepresentation of when uh the first ufos were reported because somebody said it was floating like a saucer and then the press picked up on that and said that they were flying saucers and then everybody said they were flying saucers and this is what we see in films and this is what we get in our imagination so when we see it that's how we manifest itself but there was really no evidence that that was how the, the first reporting of them was was shown but but i'm very i'm very i'm intrigued by the fact that you're saying you're seeing them all the time and you're seeing them with people have you i mean have you recorded any of this and did they see it as well and you know, because yes. of course, of course, yes, I mean, every, everyone's I looking everyone, look for them. Don't, don't get me wrong. I don't sometimes I, I look for them, but not very often. Um, so and sometimes they are there and you just see them and, and you know, and, um, you know, sometimes I can go for months and, and not look because it's not something I put my focus on anymore. I mean, I used to when I first learned about about it. And by the way, the flying flying saucer thing that um there was a guy called Meyer in in Switzerland 
and he was much maligned and he did a lot about the, the um, flying saucer things and there was a lot I mean this is about 40 years ago 30 years ago in the UFO community are they real or not um, so um, I would say almost certainly they were our craft they, they are real in the sense but they are our craft because the military has been experimenting with this um, since the, the 1930s well, that, that would that would make sense. That would make sense. But you, you said you were communicating with them, and what what were you? you can, what were you you can communicate with in, in, the more esoteric the... side side of those because they are see there are many different forms. Yeah, you know, there are probably millions of of different so called UFOs, and some of them are just of a spiritual nature, which you just see as as, as light. Right. So what when you say you communicate, do you have a conversation? Do you, do you say how are you doing or do no, they pass information no. to you? Or, what, what is no, this communication? Really just looking at them, thinking, OK, am I seeing this correctly or am I not seeing it correctly? So um, show me something um, that in my consciousness I can understand so that I can evaluate. Is, is this a star which, you know, the stars can flicker? Um, and also, you know, slightly vibrate or appear to be vibrating. So, and then quite often one gets an answer. And do you not, are you not tempted to have a video recorder next to you so that if you see lights or if you see anything, even, you know, if you're with somebody else that you just record it so you can put it up on YouTube so that other people can see it? Well, no, because my main job is not, um, I'm not a ufologist. Um, I have actually... Some years ago, I photographed orbs, and, and they come, I mean, you can see orbs in, in the garden, you can see them anywhere. If, if you have an infrared camera, I'd say anybody can photograph them, and you can go out and they appear on, on ley lines quite often as, as light, you know, like little light orbs or bigger light orbs. Um, I mean, it's all around it because the, around us because the universe is um, electric. Um, it, it's energy. Um, so to me, it is just one facet, which if you understand it a bit better, it gives you pointers to the nature of, of our existence. And of course, ultimately, you have to ask yourself, what, what is reality? Um, there is no such thing probably as an absolute reality, but the illusion that it appears like, like it. So your trading outlook is relatively short term. You're basically a day trader, pretty much. But do you have any long term expectations for the markets? Like, for example, gold, Bitcoin, um, the equity markets, the bond markets. Do you have long-term calls? My thought is at the moment, and I'm always careful when I make um, the, yeah, any forecast, um, for that matter, because cycles, as we know, um, are linear and consciousness is not linear. So hence, you know, obviously they can change what I say today and see it as truth can change tomorrow because a different observation comes into play. So um, that said, from an Elliott wave point perspective, a long-term, long-term Elliott wave um, perspective, if I look at a chart, 
literally from the beginning of the um, stock market, you look at the um, indices, I would say we are in for a massive, massive sell-off. Because really, you could argue the stock market has been on an infinite uptrend and we are in an ending fifth di diagonal um, in terms of Elliott waves. Um, fifth di diagonals are notoriously difficult from my perspective um, to time and to trade um, because you, you just don't know. They, they can go on for a very long time. So in terms of um, timing, this could happen this year, could happen um, at the end of this year, early next year. And I get the feeling... Um, from, from a more fundamental point of view, once the um, QFS is in place, and of course it's not all going to happen overnight, it'll be phased in, you know, different things will be switched on, so it's, it's a gradual process, but what absolutely certainly will happen is that we are going to see that, um, let's, let's take the S&P 500 companies, the way they are existing today they will not be existing like that, like this anymore. They are um, already quite a few people have resigned, and um, new management is being put in, into place. So we are going to see a complete shift there, and that could lead to a um, massive, massive sell-off before a new, a different form of uptrend will re-establish itself, which is obviously going to, to um, be established on different parameters. What exactly these um, parameters are going to be, at, at this point, I, I don't know, it, it, it would be pure, pure conjecture, but I'm pretty sure we are in for a massive sell-off and re-evaluation of everything. It's, it's got to be, it's got to be. And uh, what about gold and silver and Bitcoin? Do you have any views well, and, and currencies, if, if, if I um, can throw that in as well? Well, currencies, well, of course, currencies will cease to exist as, as, as we know them. The moment the um, QFS is, um, you know, on full stream. So there will be, in, in that sense, will we be trading them? I, I, I don't know. It may well be that... We'll just be trading um, the likes of um, Ethereum and Bitcoin and, you know, God knows what else. You know, who knows? It's very, very hard to say because it is going to be a transition period. So um, in terms of gold, um, I feel, I mean, of, of course, at the moment, the price of gold and of silver is heavily suppressed. I mean, silver... Um, is definitely, um, you know, they, they are perhaps manipulating it even more than gold. At some point, I see that market, both markets, gold and, and silver, really, really taking off. Um, I think there is more leverage in silver uh, than in gold. Um, so I, I think the future, probably for all the metals, is, is, is very, very, very good. Would disagree with any of that. And um, do you think? Uh, do you look at dif different sectors like, say, technology and, um, uh, say, agriculture? Do you, Do you have any preference for which sectors may weather the coming storm better or worse? I think agriculture 
is a very, very interesting sector because I think it is entirely possible that we are going to say uh, to see some severe shortages in certain areas over the next year, year or two, which could affect, you know, the grains um, in particular um, and also other areas. If somebody was a uh, as a trader and they wanted to improve their basically their whole process, and they come to you, what what would you do with them? What's the what's the kind of process that a, a trader would go through? Are you talking about somebody who is new to trading or somebody who already has experience? Well, would you deal with them differently? Yes, probably because if I I have to say I don't very often teach new traders but but i have done and um, of course it's a different process because they come to the game they they know nothing so i teach them uh, basic chart reading skills and i make them look at very short term time frames and um, purely and simply to hone their ability at, um, at, at chart reading i um gradually introduce them to a few basic indicators um, to my aim for anybody is ultimately to be able to look at a chart and be able to see whether the market is moving sideways, whether it is likely to break up or down and um, understand a um, time frame within which um, these moves are going to happen or not going to happen if it's moving sideways. As we know, markets can move sideways for a very long time. And then I, um, I mean, my strategy is actually very, very simple. And I make sure, certainly for new traders, if they can explain a strategy, whatever they end up with um, using, that is so simple that they can explain it to me in two or three sentences. I mean, I can explain to you what, what I am doing. I am using two simple uh, moving averages. That's all I have as confirmation, if, if you like. I um, use a breakout strategy. I use Elliott Wave, of course, and um, I have a breakout strategy, a wait for the pullback. And then if the risk reward ratio is correct, I will enter the trade. And I have got very specific um, parameters for what I want to see um, as a projection for my trade. And so it, it's very, very simple. There is nothing, there's no great secret about it. It doesn't require um, using complicated indicators or anything. What it does require, though, is an understanding of being able to see when a market is in harmony and, and when it is not. So, um, and then basically honing that skill by looking at charts, many, many charts, and it doesn't matter what they are. In fact, diversification is very, very good because each sector has got a slightly different DNA, if you like, and therefore trades differently. I mean, you look at, let's say, the S&P, for example, um, if you have, um, you may have on a very short term time frame, two or three pullbacks um, on, a, on a flat lining market before it, it gathers enough energy to go up. But with gold, it, it happens much, much um, faster. We can go into why that is, but, you know, just saying, uh, using two markets to give the difference, uh, difference here. Personally, I don't like bonds very much. Um, it, it's not a market I'm very interested in. Um, 
So, um, I mean, that's basically what I do with a new trader. Somebody experienced, I will look with them at their belief systems first and foremost, because if somebody has experience in trading and they are going through a transition period um, where they may hit sort of a imaginary roadblock. So we look at the belief system. Well, what is going on now? Well, what do you want? to achieve from your trading. And that varies, of course. And what I might want today could be very different from what I want tomorrow. Um, I look at uh, unconscious value conflicts, which we all have. And we are living in a time where, because consciousness is evolving and expanding at such a, at such a rapid um, level, uh, the shadows are showing up. And it can be very uncomfortable. And particularly if you don't have the ability to work through the process, it can throw you um, out, out of your um, ability to even trade a proven system um, very, very easily. Because ultimately, 95% of trading and investing, I make no distinction here, they are both mental. The only difference with trading is I need more mental um, nimbleness because things change so so quickly do you so, think sorry to interrupt do you think that um there are some people that simply should not trade in other words that they just lack the the capacity the the the, the, the psychological approach or the mental approach to to to, to, to thrive at it and therefore yes. they, should just, they should simply not do that activity yes i certainly believe that because if you are a farmer then you'd be better off, when I say if you are a farmer, I mean from a psychological mm. um, mentality, if you have the farmer mentality, you would be much better position trading. Whereas oh. um, if you are a hunter, I mean, you'd be very good at mm. very short-term trading. For example, what's very interesting, actually, a lot of people who are excelling at short-term trading and i'm not saying you know that that i i do excel at it but i i do see my trades you know so um but people with add adhd uh, which is much maligned as a big problem many of these guys make very good short-term traders right so but you could also for example i mean we're talking about trading but say tim's a value investor that might be, uh, they might not be good at trading, but they might be amazing at value investing. Because Yeah, I'm a, lou I'm a lousy trader, so I, I, I try not to do it at all. Well, to, to be fair, you, you maybe you haven't, it's just something that you haven't tried. I'm not saying that you necessarily want to, but it's like a bit like, you know, you, I, I'm guessing you don't play golf, I don't play golf. I would assume that I'd be really bad at it and I might not like it, but actually if you tried it, you might be brilliant at it. Um, I, I appreciate the 19th hole. <laughs> <laughs> no i think do, do you know something with short-term trading it, it's not an an end in itself but uh, what it does for you and that's why i think every investor should at least spend six months short-term trading because it hones your chart reading ability it hones mental nimbleness and you will learn things which would, in, in a comparatively short period of time, about how markets interact with each other, how they move, and, and all these 
the finer points, which if you were a long-term investor would take you so much longer to learn. I mean, I personally, um, I mean, I have got a soft spot for the metals and my preferred modus operandi really is sort of swing trading on a shorter time frame to um, really take advantage of um, you know so, some decent moves when the opportunity presents itself. So um, I mean that's it's my favorite and and I love oil as well. Um, always have done. So and I can't even tell you why. It's it's just you know the way it is. I feel an affinity for for those markets. So um, there is no right or wrong. And as I said before, we change. You know the the person who is trading or investing um, in the year 2015. Hopefully, their consciousness is much different today. You know this is what it's all about. We are all on a continuous journey. Hopefully, of expansion doesn't necessarily have to be expansion; can be contraction. Um, but I think it is no more than short-term trading is nothing else but having different tools in your toolbox. Have you thought about all um, it is. Have you thought about coding up your short-term strategy and just turning it into an algorithm, just to go full circle of what we were talking about at the beginning? Can you just begin uh, say the beginning? I didn't hear the beginning of your sentence. Yeah, your um, it, what I was what I was saying is, if you thought about because you're saying your short-term strategy is very simple, you could code, you could write write some code and turn that into an algorithm, and just have the computer trade your very simple strategy. Have you ever thought about doing that yourself? Uh, I I have not because I I cannot code anything, don't know how to do it. I'll teach you if you want. <laughs> right, let me think about this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. That's a very interesting proposition. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's something that I've looked into extensively. And I think that's, uh, if you've got a strategy, then if you can, if it's simple and you can put it into a if then, if then situation, you can code it and just have the market trade. Now, actually, there is one issue, though, and you may know an answer around this. Um, how do you account for that area when? Well, I would say the heart says everything lines up. There is the signal. And the heart says it's a pure, purely an energy thing. No, I'm not taking this trade. Uh, no. Yeah, that, that's, um, that's something that you, what you're saying is that there's an intuition about how you trade. Yes. And I, I know yes. exactly what you're talking about because you can look at the market and it looks like it's about to break out. and. Ultimately, that's not something you can code. It's just something that, you, you, unfortunately, you'll have to just take that trade. So um, you just have to, if if that's the case, then deal with it with money management or a tight stop or something else, or just accept that it's going to be a losing trade. But, yeah. that, but actually, there'll be times when the heart says or thinks, or your intuition might think something, and you might be wrong. And you, it might actually go... The way you thought. So I think those things will balance out. 
Yes, of course. I mean, it happens. But I would say, and I can give you an example of, of this, actually. It happened um, about two weeks ago or so. And um, now what was the market trading? Was it um, ES, I think? I can't remember now. I think it was ES. And it was flatlining. And there were signals. And I thought, right, okay, I'm going to take these signals. I had three losing trades in a row because I was not engaging my heart. And I thought, well, I mean, that was pretty silly. I mean, it's no big deal because it's, you know, trading very, very small. Because I knew what I was doing. And I thought, right, if nothing else, I silenced the um, inner critic who was raising its um, rather curious critical head saying, come on, Mercedes, you are going to miss out on, on these trades here. You know, be brave, you know, and do something. And it was quite the wrong thing to do. So I've, I've overridden my intuition. And yes, of course, you miss out on a trade. But again, it comes down to your psychological makeup. I'd far rather miss out on a trade because I know there'll be, be another one along before too long. And that's the beauty if you want to do very short-term trading. So you know the opportunities will be there. And okay, so you wait, you know, and, and, until the next one. And if I can patiently wait, I'd far rather miss out one trade and then have a good trade. And, um, and I'm a happy bunny. But that's my psychology. I am... Ultimately, very, very cautious, always have been. And I've, I've learned this has not changed through all the years. If I am gung-ho, I think, right, okay, signal over everything, I lose. So or I lose more than I'm comfortable with losing. And I am not a happy bunny, I can tell you that. Um, if, if I have three losing trades in a row, well, I think that's pretty stupid. You know, I mean, it can happen, but really, if I can avoid it, um, I'd, I'd far rather avoid it. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Tim, should we go to media picks, do you think? Why not? Why not? Okay. Uh, Mercedes, I don't know if um, Tim's warned you about this, but we we tend to sort of round off things with um, a media pick, which is, a, it could be a book, a film, or anything that you've enjoyed or found really to be bad and should be avoided. Um, and it can be financial, but it can also just be just a film that you happen to like or or a book that's not necessarily, uh, you know, market related. So it can be anything really. Um, so if you haven't prepared one, I'm going to ask Tim first, so give you a moment to think. And, um, uh, and then we'll come Oh, back. I can give you one. Um, definitely. Yes, I'd love to. Okay. Uh, Great. So it's actually um, Wes Penrith. The um, It's called the Wes Penrith Papers. And it's available on the internet. And he has actually also put it out as a book. Um, it's available on Amazon. And um, it is perhaps the most enlightening book. It's, it's a hard read because it's over a thousand pages. Um, it deciphers our reality in a way I don't know of anybody else who has, has done this. Um, he's a really interesting guy and um, very nice nice guy as, as well. And I've got a chance to um, communicate with him. Um, I found the depth of the research into, he explains 
how what creation is, how it came about, how universes are created, how um, the the Luciferian energy became rampant in our galaxy. And the, the research is second to none. As I say, it is not, not for everybody. Um, it takes a bit of stamina as well um, to read because it would rock most, most people's boat because it's totally different from what um, is usually out there. It's, it's not an esoteric book as such. It is really a um, deep dive into the, the science of the um, reality as we are experiencing it from, from all sorts of different, different aspects. Well, what's the, title? what's the is... title? The title of the book? Sorry? What's the title of the book? If you look, I can't think because he doesn't call it on the internet. On his page, it's called um, the West Penry Papers. Right. Um, but the book, um, actually, I should have brought it down here. Um, it, it's on Amazon anyway. He has only got two books. So um, it's, it's his latest book. It was released about four months ago. Oh, West, it's West Penry, W-E-S-P-E-N-R-E. New word, yeah, you got it. West Penry Papers, okay, brilliant. Tim? I'm going to go, I've been watching nothing but conspiracy films for the last 51 years, so I thought I'd stay with the program. One I hadn't seen before, actually, it's Blowout by Brian De Palma, 1981. John Travolta and Nancy Allen. Um, it's uh, Brian De Palma doesn't do subtle, so it's 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 kind of in your face, but it's 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 a bit like a reworking of the Chappaquiddick um, tragedy, um, which involves a sound. Oh, actually, you'd like this is right up your strata, Paul, because it's about a sound a sound engineer who accidentally records um, basically a murder plot, an assassination. Oh, I like the sound plot. of that. That sounds brilliant. And it's, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly a, I mean, if it was a book, it would be a page turner. It's, it's certainly quite quite fun. Um, not quite sure how, how seriously to take it, but it's, 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 a, it's a crowd pleaser of a, of a film. Oh, cool. Well, how, how did you come across it? I've, as I say, I've just been doing nothing but nonstop conspiracy films for, for some time. Right. Uh, so in, in, line with the, in line with the environment. So... Google basically has just been feeding this to you because yeah, it, yeah, it knows yeah. what you like. Oh, fantastic. Well, you know, the other day when we had um, uh, the market sniper on, you, yep. you you got your metallic voice. And we, so we had to end the uh, interview, unfortunately, a little bit early. So we didn't get, I didn't put in those media picks. So I wanted to repeat my media pick from that day, which was um, Line of Duty. And I'm a massive Line of Duty fan. I think it's, it's in its sixth season and it's as good as it's ever been. It's just absolutely nine out of 10 IMDB, 9.4, etc. stuff. So I don't think you're going to get any better television than line of duty. So I know it's, um, it's, it's been around for a while, but for those of you who are not quite, quite on that train yet, I can guarantee some of the best television you're ever going to see. So, um, so that's mine. So Mercedes, just to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I know what you, you've been talking about is, is perhaps not um, subject areas that, that people are familiar with. And I think it's, it's important to keep an open mind and for people to find these things out themselves. And um, if people wanted to get more information from you, 
regarding your methods of of uh, meditation and analysis of the markets how would they do that where are you on twitter and what's your web pages um best thing would be to go on my website mentalstrategiesfortraders.com there is a, a newsletter sign up form where people can sign up for my work and you know everything is explained on on the website and well i do um twitter as as well but i have to say for the time being i've decided to really tone that down a little bit um because i've been bumped off twitter a couple of times <laughs> <laughs> occupational, yeah, hazard. Surprise, occupational hey? <laughs> hazard yeah yeah okay brilliant and um and so- I'm, i've i've got a youtube channel as well mercedes Ostermann vanessa and the buddhist trader um people can find me there but i'd say the best is go to mentorstrategiesfortraders.com and sign up for my newsletter. Fantastic. Well, we'll put those links in the show notes. Uh, as I say, thank you very much for coming on the show. And no, Thank you so much for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And if, Absol- if, absolutely fascinating. If you do, if you do see if, uh, a UFO again, though, please video it because we want to see it. That's all I can say. We need the numbers, Mercedes. We need the numbers. <laughs> well, I don't walk around with a video camera on well, me. <laughs> well, you must have one. It's, it's, you've just got to do it. <laughs> well, okay. Okay, fantastic. Thanks. I, thanks I once get again. Paul to do it. <laughs> My yes. partner. <laughs> yes. That would, anybody. That would be that would be brilliant. But thank you once again, and um, and we hope to have you back on the show at some point. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Take Thanks. care. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. And thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do your own research or contact a professional advisor.